Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of the Sound Heart Radio. I want to give God thanks for this opportunity to meet with you. God is good. God is good every day. God is good to us moment by moment. We need him uh, for every moment in our lives. And so uh, it is my hope that you are doing well, that you are prospering in Christ. And if you are prospering in Christ and maturing in Christ, uh, you will or you are experiencing a greater closeness with God and a greater understanding of his purpose uh, in your life. So, I'm going to be speaking to that this morning and that the closer one gets to God, the more there is the manifestation of meekness. And I'm going to discuss uh, what meekness is uh, for believers. Uh, this, this message is exclusively for the believing community. And that is those who have believed into the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, that is the way the New Testament uh, language language reads that we that we believe we have believed into the person of Jesus. And so, with that, uh, let's have a word of prayer and begin our study for this morning. We do thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity to meet with your saints, that we may study your word and that your Holy Spirit may collectively teach us. It is your word. You are the author of the scriptures. And so it is only you and through you that the meaning of the scriptures are unlocked to us. You reveal your word into our hearts when we are in fellowship with you, Lord. And we do thank you In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to be reading from both uh, the Gospel of Matthew uh, and uh, the Gospel of Luke. But I want to uh, read to you from the Gospel of Luke first because I I want you to have the, uh, the appropriate understanding and background for what I'm going to be reading in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, uh, Luke adds details to the Sermon on the Mount uh, that helps us to get uh, get the context for this message. Luke writes that this message 
that is the Sermon of the Mount, as recorded in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, was given on uh, a plane. And Matthew writes that it was given uh, in the mountain. We don't know which mountain uh, that he is referring to. Uh, but the details that Luke adds are very important. Uh, now, let me say that, uh, so let me, let me read from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 6. So, and in chapter 6, I'm going to, I'm going to start um, at verse 12. Luke, chapter 6, verse 12, quote, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James and John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, uh, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, the, uh, so we have a lot of significant information uh, in verses 12 through 16. So we see the, the prayer life of the Savior and that he spent all night in prayer to God. And notice the, uh, and then in verse 13, we're told that uh, it was after he had spent all night in prayer that he chose his disciples, his mathetas. And so uh, the disciples are ones whose life, lives are given fully over to their master. They follow him. They learn his ways, and uh, they conform their lives to his teaching. So that is the meaning of the word disciple or mathetas. Now, and so he chose uh, from among them 12 whom he called apostles or sent ones. In the Old Testament, the prophets uh, were sent out from God. And their messages were all prefaced with, thus saith the Lord. And so uh, in the Old Testament, uh, we have the call narratives of uh, the, uh, the prophets and then their message, or the Debar Yahweh. Uh, Debar, uh, in the Hebrew, D-B-R, Debar, uh, it, it, is, it is a magnificent word. And in English, D-A-B-A-R, so the, uh, the vowels are added. Uh, Hebrew, the Hebrew alphabet is just, I mean, it, it is um, consonants, and a, an alphabet of consonants. But uh, later on, the vowel, the vowel points were added uh, to help uh, with understanding us. Uh, uh, the text. 
So uh, the word debar means an event or the unleashing of an event. If you were to look at uh, look up the word debar in a Hebrew lexicon, you probably would see several pages uh, therein dedicated to this one word debar. So uh, debar means event. Or when we read in the Old Testament, the word of the Lord came to <clears throat> the, and so in the Hebrew, it is literally uh, the debar Yahweh happened. And so happened means that this individual, this uh, nabi or this prophet uh, were, was placed in an entirely new situation or condition. The word of the Lord, the Debar Yahweh happened unto a certain prophet. So nothing in the Old Testament is static or prosaic. What we read in the Old Testament is dynamic. Uh, in Exodus 3.14, when God reveals himself as I am that I am, it is literally, I will be who I will be. And so it is a very uh, powerful, beautiful, uh, complex Hebrew understanding of the person of God. Never in the Word of God, either in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, is God presented presented as, as, as somehow static. That is never the that is not uh, the Hebraic or, or or the New Testament understanding of the person of Yahweh Elohim. Where do we get this idea of God as static? Well, it is from Greek philosophy. Uh, when Greek philosophy was introduced uh, into Western theology, there it is from there that that uh, that concept of a static deity uh, is derived. Period it is not found in the Word of God. So, so he calls his chosen ones. He calls uh, the twelve. And note at the end of verse 16, we have Judas Iscariot, or Judas uh, of Iscariot. And so uh, Judas is from an old family. Uh, and so we have his, his history or his family background given to us uh, so that we may know uh, some important information uh, about this individual. Uh, he he is he comes from an old family, and uh, and it, it is important that the Word of God records this information uh, about him for us. And when I do a study on the on the life of of Judas Iscariot, I'm going to give you his background uh, from the Old Testament. So. Uh, verse 17, uh, Luke 6, quote, he went down with them and stood on a level place. Now, this statement is not recorded uh, in, in Matthew. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him. 
and to be healed of their diseases. So because Luke is a physician, uh, he is very detailed here. Uh, that is uh, to be healed. Uh, in the Greek, the word is means to be restored to bodily health. And those troubled by evil spirits, uh, that is, uh, grievous diseases were cured. Notice, those troubled by evil spirits were cured. So, in the word of God, it is revealed that Satan had the ability to inflict disease, uh, both mental and physical, upon human beings. Not only to inflict disease, but also uh, to demonize their personalities. Uh, in the New Testament, we have uh, the incidents of agastromuthoi, in which uh, demon-inhabited individuals, uh, we, we see that there is this, this play or this movement between uh, the conscious awareness of Jesus on the part of the demonized individual uh, he was able to say some rational words uh, for a moment and then <clears throat> the demonic spirit took over uh, to control his vocal cords. So that's why we use the term egastromuthoi or egastromuthos. Uh And so there is uh, this reality that the word of God notes. Now, <clears throat> the modern medical system does not recognize uh, Satan-inflicted disease or, or, or demonism. That is outside of their purview or their scope of practice. Now, for, believing, for believers and within a believing community, we know that, these, uh, that uh, the reality of, or we should know and understand that uh, there are many cases today of people uh, whose personalities have been demonized um, or be, they are afflicted with grievous diseases due, uh, I'm not going to say demonic possession, but to being demonized. That is, their personalities are controlled by demons. So this first century physician, Luke, uh, who is also a theologian, recognizes this. So he joins together of theology and medicine. And so his scope of practice is holistic. He has this awareness. And so it is, this is a, uh, the Gospel of Luke is a very powerful document. So uh, those troubled by evil, evil spirits were cured, cured. And here the word for cured is therapeuo. And it means to heal miraculously. Jesus healed them miraculously. Uh, he is the, he brings in, he is the kingdom of God. Or plural, uh, as used by Matthew, he presents in bodily form the kingdom of the heavens. The kingdom of the heavens. It is plural. So, and the people all try to touch him. So, uh, I need to give you these details because I need to set the context for this message. So, touch here, the word touch, it means to touch so as to have a modifying influence 
upon one's person or the object touched because power was coming from him and healing them all. This is the situation-specific context of the Sermon on the Mount. Looking to his disciples, he said, and then uh, verse 20 begins, Blessed are you who are poor. Now, uh, so the word uh, blessed, uh, makarioi, is in the plural. And so the message, uh, each verse is, uh, is progressive. And we see uh, the progressive nature uh, uh, in the Greek New Testament. So this, and so some people have called the Sermon on the Mount, I'm going to Matthew chapter 5 now, the Mount Sinai of the New Testament. I like that. I appreciate that. So we have the Mount Sinai in the Old Testament where the law was given to the people of God through Moses. And so we know, we read in the Old Testament about how many days um, Moses was in the holy mount with God. Uh, And so he was in the presence of God. And he was in fellowship with God. And so uh, when he came down from the mount, uh, his face had this radiance. His countenance had this radiance about it. And it was incredible. So he covered his face with a veil. Uh, But he was in the presence of divine glory. Uh, It was not a static event. It was a very powerful, uh, a wonderful event where Moses received uh, the ten words from God. So I say ten words because that's the idea in Hebrew, the ten words. He received the word of the God on tablets that he could hold in his hands. And so we have uh, uh, at this period, that is when Moses received the word, we have, uh, we see writing, um, uh, writing instruments, and uh, writing down uh, important, uh, that is pinning down or writing an important document. Uh, a document for the people of God, not for the world, but there is this uh, what we call Hebraic particularism, given uh, exclusively to God. Now, there are those who say that a lot of the concepts of the law was based on the uh, the code of Hammurabi, which predates uh, the giving of the the law to the people of God in the Old Testament, and it does. And so there are some ideas uh, that we know that are enshrined in the law that are uh, from the Code of Hammurabi or so, some, some comparisons. But here there's this exclusive emphasis on the who-ness of, of, of the people of God. And notice, because they were chosen by God, uh, they were led out from double distresses. That's the name of uh, Egypt, uh, Mitzrayim, double distresses. The people were under, not a, uh, they were under Pharaoh's 
uh, smarting rulership and also uh, their their magic and their spells and their incantations and their religion. And so their lives were permeated uh, with e- e- Egyptian uh, magic. So, and, and, and the, the perversion of their worship and their gods, they saw all this. They were under this. <clears throat> and so God had to break them free and break them out from under the spells of, uh, of Pharaoh and his rulership. Much like today, when people uh, believe into the person of Jesus, they aren't consciously aware of the fact that they have been manipulated. They have been under uh, systemic mind control through uh, the the fraudulent uh, so-called education system and uh, the values uh, that they adopt and they are manipulated through movies, through education, through the medical system, through the legal system. They are not aware of that until they come to the Lord, even the food. And so because of uh, the synthetic foods that are made today and foods made from microbes that are made to mimic uh, what people have historically eaten, and uh, they'll have the, nu- the nutrient density of what God has created for his people. Now we see and understand why when Daniel uh, was in Babylon, he did not want eat. He did not want to eat the food of the king. Uh, the dietary laws that were given to the people of God uh, was to protect them. That was also part of the law. God knew what people ate in the surrounding city-states of, of Canaan. He knew that these systems were holistic. That is, uh, what the rulers did and what the people ate uh, was all part of their demonic, uh, magical uh, ways of living. And God did not want his people to partake of that. And so I tell you, uh, forensic anthropologists and forensic uh, dentists who look and study uh, ancient dietary habits, these people look, uh, when they, where do they go? They look for the dumps. They look for the sewers uh, where people went to evacuate themselves. They learn so much about people uh, and their habits through uh, fossilized feces, or if they find jawbones with, with teeth or molars remaining therein or incisors, they're able to look uh, into uh, uh, these teeth to, and, and get a lot of information. And if they find uh, a skeleton of, of a female, they can, they can tell how many births uh, that this particular uh, individual had, they can find a ton of information uh, through the dumps and uh, through the laboratory, ancient laboratories. So God knew, and God tells his people, he warns his people, don't 
follow them. Don't partake of what they do. Not to be mean or to keep his people from enjoying uh, their lives, but he knew the diseases that were in an inherent part of these cultures, both the mental diseases and the physical diseases. By mental diseases, I mean uh, just just what demonized worship would bring into and do to personalities. So uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, we read, quote, and seeing the multitudes. So there's a connection between Luke and Matthew. Seeing the multitudes. We read, he went up into a mountain where he was set. His disciples came to him. Now, uh, in, in the synagogues of Jesus' day, the, the teacher, the instructor uh, sat and the people stood. And so when Jesus went up into the mountain, he found a place where he sat and the people stood. Now, this was an enormous crowd. This was a, a huge crowd. They had come to hear Jesus. And at the end uh, of the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew 7, we read about uh, their response to uh, the power of his teaching. So in uh, Matthew uh, 7, 28, we read, quote, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at, at his doctrine or his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as scribes. So that is the impact that he had upon them. Now, we see the, the health of Jesus and the power of Jesus in that he could sit down and uh, within uh, this vast crowd and without uh, any uh, equipment to magnify his voice, they all could hear him. So th- this, is, this is amazing. And so uh, please appreciate the details that, that we are given. And we read in verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Now, I know this is called, we, by tradition, it is called the Sermon on the Mount. But here in verse 2, we read, he taught them, uh, and he is the teacher, the daskalos, and he teaches doctrine, so he taught them. Now, uh, in the New Testament, we have the word kerygma, uh, and so those who go out and uh, herald the good news, uh, herald the good news of Jesus, the kerygma. Uh, and here, uh, the word refers specifically to teaching. These people uh, were spiritually parched because the scribes and the Pharisees taught them 
so that they could control them. And what they taught them, what the scribes and Pharisees taught, was not the word of God, but taught them uh, the teachings of the rabbi. They did not teach the word of God. So uh, this is why they were spiritually parched. This is why they came to hear Jesus. He is. Jesus is the kingdom of the heavens. Now, Matthew uses the kingdom of the heavens because of the sacredness of the name of Yahweh. And so they would not directly refer to the person of God. But this was a way of referring to the presence of God by saying the kingdom of the heavens. That is the, uh, the kingdom of God. So uh, verse 3, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So uh, what does this mean, the poor in spirit? Uh, and so this word refers to an individual that is helpless uh, and realizes uh, he, uh, his or her own spiritual Helplessness. The poor in spirit. There's another word in Greek that refers to poor, but it means uh, this person is poor but has the uh, the ability to help oneself. Here, this word uh, bespeaks a person who realizes his own uh, spiritual helplessness. So this is the opening. Uh, this is the first thing that Jesus says uh, in this uh, in this powerful teaching. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, he does not address the elite. He does not address the powerful, because the elite and the powerful believe uh, that they don't need and that they they are full now. Uh, and so therefore they don't need what uh, to hear what God has to say. They don't need what God has to offer. But those who are spiritually poor and who have been purposely, uh, their poverty has been uh, spiritually engineered by both the devil and those whom he demonizes. So this is an engineered poverty. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Listen, the devil uh, does not, and the devil doesn't have the ability, the innate ability, the character, and neither those who follow him to quench or to help this, or to aid this, uh, the spiritually helpless character, because they are they are mired in sin and darkness, and so there is no help there. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light in this 
present darkness. He is that light. And so when you read the Gospel of, of, of Luke, you will, you will read uh, uh, his healing of demonized persons uh, who over a period of years uh, have been subject to, uh, you know, these horrible diseases. There is one story about a woman in Luke who had a horrible scoliosis, curvature of the spine, uh, due to her being uh, demonized. So uh, another woman uh, we read in the Gospels who had uh, an incurable uh, uh, bleeding. And so uh, in the Greek it reads the spring of her bleeding. And it, it, it would just well up like a spring. And your and your spray it was it was really incredible, and this woman uh, was healed uh, of her disease. Bless uh, verse four. Blessed are the they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So these are individuals uh, who are conscious of their sins and what their sins have done to themselves and to those within their periphery. They are aware of of the impact of sand in their lives. This is incredible. And here is God saying, blessed are they that mourn. What? Blessed are they that mourn. The word blessed here means spiritually prosperous. And he says, for they shall be comforted. Now, this word uh, in John's gospel, we have the word comforter or the strong one uh, is derived uh, from this same word. Blessed are they that mourn. They shall be comforted. Notice the equation. And notice how the equation is balanced uh, by the presence of God. Blessed are they that mourn. So we have uh, mourn is in a pre- what we call a present active participle. Okay? And they shall be comforted. So that word is in the what we call the future perfect. For notice what God is doing. His focus is not on the powers of the, uh, the satanic cosmos. The focus is not upon the elite, their money, their silver, their gold, their habits, their secret caverns, their underground caverns. Now, I want you to notice that many of the, uh, the caverns and, and uh, secret places under the earth that people have uh, found today uh, are ancient. Are, they are ancient. And Jesus was well aware of, uh, of the, these goings on. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, beholding the good and the evil. 
God knows what is going on, intimately aware uh, of sin. When Jesus died on Calvary, we read that there was a great earthquake. The creator had did not have his life taken from him by men, by a government. The creator voluntarily gave up or surrendered his spirit. This was voluntary on the part of Jesus. No man took his life. Jesus said, uh, no man takes my life. And Jesus did not just fade away. Uh, we read that he yelled. And then he voluntarily gave up uh, or surrendered his spirit. This is God Almighty. What was done to Jesus was allowed in the will of God. What was done to Jesus was allowed in the archetypal uh, plan of God. What was done to Jesus was foreknown in the, the, the divine decrees of God. To bring back mankind that was dead, not fallen mankind, but mankind that was dead in trespasses and sins. Read Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible never talks about the fall of man. The Bible never talks about fallen man. The Bible talks about those who were uh, ruined or destroyed in trespasses and sins. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was destroyed. In Genesis 1, we read about a destroyed creation. Mankind, because of the entrance of sin into the world through the Adam was dead in trespasses and sins. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, brought back or brought forth a new humanity that is a humanity regenerated, re-again generated life through the Spirit of God. Regeneration is necessary to be born again. Jesus said it is necessary in the nature of the case that you are born again, born anew, born from the Spirit of God, born from above. God foreknew those who would receive uh, salvation through Jesus. He foreknew those who would come to him, that is, respond to the divine calling. There is a general call of salvation, and then there is what we call uh, the, an, an, an effectual call, that is, those who respond and are saved. A general calling, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes into him should not die eternally, but have what? Eternal life. 
eternal life that we receive is the very life of God. Please read 2 Peter chapter 1. We have been made partakers of the divine nature, physis. The divine nature, physis, is the word in Greek. I need and I'll emphasize what the Greek teaches because I want people to know that there is a decided difference between churchianity and what the Bible really teaches. I am watching the results of churchianity today. Finelessness and its wimpiness and its inability to take a stand for anything. Let alone the gospel. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is so radical. Not the devil, not the wealthy uh, in the whore of Babylon in the book of Revelation. What? Not the generals not the multinational corporations uh, who have uh, patented uh, what they're marketing as vaccines. It is really gene therapy, alters the DNA of people uh, through the, their invasive technologies. And they use these invasive technologies, both known and unknown. Most of them are unknown because people, they really don't know uh, what is going on. And now in their vapid, uh, empty, uh, uh, through their, their media, they, they are putting out mass disinformation, mass uh, misinformation. So people don't know what to believe. You know why? Because the media is a false shepherd that leads the sheep to destruction. Instead of having uh, one's uh, protracted gaze upon the person of Jesus, uh, this is what you get in a devil's world. He will lead you out, lead you astray, lead you away from eternal life. He will lead you away from God through the fiction of your own, of my own inner passion. He will lead me away through the lie of my own uh, destructive and corrupting desires. He will package up uh, things and people and events in order to lead me astray. 
But if you focus on the person of Christ, and the Proverbs says, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. Jesus says that no man, having put his hands to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. I want you fit. I want you ready for the kingdom of God. God has provided all that we need. You just need to make yourself available to God's blessings. Good morning. My name is Tom.